Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Well, I think about how, as a Montessori instructor, you teach children three things in terms of who they can learn from. They can learn from the teacher, and they can learn from each other, and then they can learn from the materials in the room. So it isn't always the teacher. The misconception people have about the term lessons is that taking lessons from another human being, which oftentimes becomes very important to be able to get breakthrough to the next level, whatever it is that you're looking for. And of course, now we have a myriad of things that people can do from reading to viewing to whatever it is. But from that perspective, I think that's one thing that, again, I talked about a little bit earlier, but I think that's what ties so many of us at this age together is that you had this uniqueness about the way that you could hear things, which has served me very well in my life and certainly you, of being able to figure out things very quickly and not only hearing them, but being able to like I always explain to people when I'm listening to a song, I can automatically figure out how much of a chunk I'm going to tick off to learn by ear at first. So you're not trying to learn a song from the beginning to the end because it's too much information, but you do start hearing the repetitive patterns, not even talking about a verse and a chorus, but just repetitive elements that are happening and you begin to mark those as a color. And then there's the other things that are happening that are a little bit different. And I've always used like the term stop signs or a red flag, like a part where I'm listening to it and I know it's different, but I can't visually see what it is. So I know this thing is going to need some work. But the rest of this, if I can figure out the rest of this thing, it's basically three or four different ideas that are encompassing this. And then there's three red flags in there that I'm going to have to dive in and really figure out what's going on. That is such a great approach because a lot of times when I have students or musician friends that ask me like how I chart out songs or learn a song for a gig or if I'm playing with an artist, if it's a like a last minute thing, like how do you learn all this stuff? And you literally just have to like listen to the song, roadmap it out, and then identify or red flag those parts that need extra attention because most of the songs we're listening to, okay, there's an intro, there's a verse, there's a chorus, there's a verse, there's a chorus. There's a bridge, a solo, and and yada, yada. But it's like, if you can not be overwhelmed by the entire picture, but just map it out and just see where you need to connect the dots and what you need to focus on, that is a great way of putting it, Steve. Right. I always tell people, too, that once you've learned the song, okay, so now you've got a plan of everything that you're doing, there might be elements of what I've always called stress points. And stress points are the points where if you're going to make a mistake on stage, it's going to be right there. Because that thing is the joint or the stress point where you know you've been practicing it. But because I always explain to people, like when I'm playing a song, I don't view the song as like sitting in front of me, like I can see the whole song. It's like I'm driving a car and I know the stop sign's coming. I can see it up there. I'm very aware. I've driven this way many times and I know the stop sign's there. I just need to be aware to stop because there might be other vehicles coming and I don't want to get in an accident. And then I need to know that I'm going to turn right. We're performing the song. I'm driving through the tune and those stress points are going to come up. So the more I can deal with those stress points as I practice at home, the less stressful I need to be when I get on stage and the less apt I am to make those mistakes where some people 
they don't think about it that way. So when they're playing, that's where they're going to get to that and they're going to panic. So it's interesting. All this stuff comes from listening. It's listening to music. This is why I fell into teaching simply because I had thought about these things so many times that when I started, just fell into teaching. But when I started teaching, people understood the language that I was using and they'd go, oh, okay, well, that makes perfect sense. When I'm playing, this is what I need to do. So I think there's just so much value in our learning how to listen the way we did when we were kids. It's interesting when you mention the word listen. When I was younger, if I had to learn songs for a gig, I would say, oh, I'll just do what I have to do during the day and I'll just have playing in the background. Nope, <laughs> that doesn't work. You literally have to be focused when you're listening, like distraction, allow yourself, allow yourself that time, allow yourself that three and a half, that four minutes of focus of listening to the song. Because if you're making breakfast and have that in the background, you're listening to the song, but you're not allowing yourself the actual ability to learn and also to not only to memorize it, but to have it ingrained. So when you do come to those stress points, which we've been on some gigs where certain members they seem to play those stress points a lot <laughs> during a song. And you're like, oh, that's because you weren't listening. But listening is, there's so many things coming at us and there's so much information every day that's coming at us. It's so important to allow yourself that personal block of time where you can just truly listen, hone in and not worry about everything else. Because the most important thing is connecting all those road signs and making sure you're stopping when you're stopping and going when you're going and and then also, when you're listening, all of a sudden, it's going to be getting ingrained, and now you're hearing the bass part, and now you're hearing the guitar part. So the whole experience for you is just better all around, because now you're feeling. What you're talking about, especially when you were talking about the breakfast thing, we're talking about the lie that we've been fed about multitasking, that multitasking makes you a more productive person. And all multitasking does is it just allows you to spend less quality time on multiple things so you can do less of a job on multiple things at the same time. And you're absolutely right. I mean, to focus on something on one task and give the best that you have for that amount of time on that task is by far the best way of being able to accomplish something. You can get lost in a myriad of different things at, and we all do it, but hopefully none of those are really important. If you're going to focus on something, and I think that's the thing too, is, is that because we lived in a time when we were not, the distractions weren't there saying, come on, come to me, right? You have the phone and everything like that. You could lose yourself in those headphones and listen and hear, as I always call it, going underground, but you could hear those things because there was nothing else. You weren't focused on anything else. You were sitting on your bed or on your chair at your desk or whatever it might be, and you had those headphones on and you were just lost as a matter of fact, it just recently now I've been getting back into being able to do that a little bit. It becomes a business and you're doing your thing. And for me, teaching, you're always teaching and not being taught. Like you spend your whole day teaching and people are like, oh, you got the greatest job in the world because you're teaching guitar all day long. You get to play guitar. You're like, I am not playing guitar. Teaching is not the same thing as working on the things that I need to be doing. You know, listening to this conversation and also listening to how to listen, a couple of quotes come to mind. And I love Neil Peart because of his books, his process, his work ethic, and the guy never let any grass grow under his feet. I've never been bored a day in my life. 
But two of the things that I always stuck with me with him was, what's the most excellent thing I can do today? And the second thing is, I just want the listener to know that care was taken. And I feel like when you're truly listening and allowing yourself that time, like just exactly what you're talking about, all of a sudden to me, and especially with other musicians that you're playing with, whether it's a bass player, guitar player, what have you, it's like when these guys listen and we get together to do the gig and everything comes together, all of a sudden I'm like, he took the time because he cared. These guys listen. And if I can shift this and put it back on you, you'd be surprised to hear that I watch a lot of your Motivational Monday videos. I love them. Am I a guitar player? No. Am I a musician? Absolutely. But what I love about them is, first of all, is the enthusiasm, the creativity, the positivity. And with that positivity, like I'm listening to you teach and I'm like, oh, there's a victory for somebody. There's a spark for somebody and all these things. And the whole time I'm like, this guy really cares. And this guy also really listens because I'm assuming that you'll have people's names pop up and you'll see comments. And even though you're deep in thought, hey, Dave, thanks. Dave from Lancaster. Okay. Oh, hey, uh, thanks, Rebecca from Orange County, California. Okay. I'll get to that in a second. Beautiful listening. It's amazing. And it's just because you care about the music, you care what's being taught and people are listening. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, that's the thing is, is I think the quote that you just said from Neil, that's really what it is. When you really do care about what you're doing and how you're doing and how it's being presented to somebody else, how somebody can benefit from what you're doing, whether it's recording or teaching or, or whatever it might be, it's pretty profound. And when you realize that you have the impact to change people's lives, you got to take that serious. That's got to be a serious thing because that's power. And I've always felt, even last night playing at the symphony show, I'll see a student from 20 years ago or 25 years ago that now has a family and whatever, and we'll reconnect. And it's just a really, really amazing thing how music on whatever level can be really influential on other people. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a game changer on so many levels. Again, the longer I live, the more I travel, the more gigs that I do. It doesn't matter if you speak a foreign language, you can't speak the language. If we're in Japan or if we're in China, if we're in Singapore or whatever, it's the music that just connects people and the care that goes into making that music, whether it's your own original stuff or whether it's cover stuff, it's amazing the walls that get broken down and just bring people together. Much like Garrison calling me up and saying, hey man, a friend of mine, Steve Stein, is going to be calling you and you'd be great. He's great. And you guys should meet. And all of a sudden, you and I are talking and we're laughing. We're being goofballs and we're talking about music because this is the stuff that is so authentic and so real. It doesn't matter who you are in life. It brings people together. And it's sorry, I didn't mean to turn this into like a Hallmark after school special, but it's so true. I think these are the things, like I've always told people when it comes to teaching, I'm being completely honest, when it comes to teaching, about 70% of it is motivational, about 30% is educational. And that doesn't mean you're getting a lack of education. What I'm saying is if you are not feeling something real, you're not going to connect anyway. If you're only there because your parents are forcing you to go to a lesson, everybody's missing the point. At some point, you have to realize that the music or the relationship with the musicians, which is a whole nother level playing with a group of musicians that you really authentically connect to, 
is an astonishingly wonderful feeling as opposed to being in a band where you don't really get along with anybody and you're just getting paid for the gig. And it's an entirely different experience when you can have something where everybody is like really a family. Everybody gets along. You have this wonderful experience. So I think that's important. Yeah. So I got to ask you though, because we don't get way too long here. You got to explain to me all the things, because I don't know. I know you've done a ton of stuff and I know your video game history a little bit, but tell us about your experiences. You get out, you start playing. What are some of the really great things that you feel like you've done in terms of playing with artists and things like that? So after college, I moved to Nashville, spent 10 or 11 years in Nashville playing with different artists. And Nashville was an interesting experience because when I first got there, actually, I never thought I was going to go to Nashville. I thought I would go to Los Angeles, California, and do rock and stuff because rock and roll and pop and all that stuff, that's where my heart was. But I went to Nashville and I remember everybody telling me that Nashville was a 10-year town. I'm like, 10-year town? Like 10-year or 10-year and they're like, well, no, it's a 10-year town where it's one of those places where it's like the good old boy club where producers have their handful of guys that they always use. And in order to break in, you've got to be there a long time. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so what do I want to do? And I remember my brother, Daryl, we were standing in line at a McDonald's one morning and I was just new to Nashville, didn't know anybody. But I thought, hey, if I can play drums in Salt Lake City, I could play drums in, in Nashville, Tennessee. It's like, oh, really? Okay. And my brother goes, well, we're standing in line ordering breakfast at McDonald's. He goes, Joel, he goes, you really need to get to know the three-foot rule. And I go, the three-foot rule? I go, Daryl, what are you talking about? He goes, check this out. He turns around. There's a guy standing behind us. And he goes, he goes hey, good morning. I'm Daryl. What's your name? Puts his hand out. And the guy's like, John, hi. Good to meet you, Daryl. Hey, John, what do you do? Oh, he goes, I'm a financial advisor. I work at a bank. And, and he goes, oh, well, I play guitar. And this is my brother, Joel. He plays drums. He just moved into town from Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, Joel, you know, pleasure to meet you. And then the guy goes, oh, one of my dear friends is the musical director for Reba McIntyre. And it's like, oh, well, you guys should exchange cards. So we did. And good to meet you, John. And this all happened within 30 to 45 seconds. And we ordered a breakfast and we sat down and Daryl goes, that's the three foot rule. And I'm like, Daryl, what are you talking about? He goes, if anybody is in a three foot radius of where you are, introduce yourself, say hello. What's the worst that's going to happen? I said, well, people are going to think I'm psycho. Yeah, but not if it's coming from a good place. So I literally implemented that three foot rule from that day forward. And I remember going to a drum clinic that summer just a brutal, sweaty, hot, humid Nashville summer. And this was Summer Nam. And this drum clinic was with Dan Tomlinson, the drummer for Lyle Lovett. Great, great, great drummer. And we're in like this warehouse. It's just a swamp cooler. And we're all just sweating like a mother. And Dan had brought a bass player with him. And that bass player's name was Butch Dillon. So Dan brought him with him in this drum clinic to show the marriage between a bass player and a drummer, and his right hand, and his right foot. So we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So an hour and a half into this thing, there's like 150 people there, chairs all set up around. And Dan goes, hey, he goes, I'm going to play one last song for you. And when I'm done, come on up. He goes, I'd love to take pictures with anybody that wants a picture or sign an autograph, answer any other questions. And so he played one last song, standing ovation. Everybody just gets up and rushes over to his drum kit. Well, I'm 
sitting there by myself in the middle of this warehouse. And I look up and there's the bass player over on the right. And he's just unplugging his cord and wrapping up his cable. And I looked over at the drums and I'm like, I'm going to go talk to the bass player. And I said, hey, Butch, you don't know me, but my name's Joel Stevenette. Shook his hand. And I said, man, I just love your playing. I love your tone, your feel. And I said, this was just such a great experience. I said, hey, man, I would love to go to lunch with you. Well, yeah. He goes, what are you doing this Wednesday? I said, yeah, let's meet up on Wednesday. And so I think this was a Saturday. So we meet up on Wednesday for lunch and we're talking and we're there for like 45 minutes and talking about life and music and albums and influences and much like you and I talked about when we first met. And I said, hey, Butch, I hope this isn't out of left field, but I literally live five minutes from here and I've got PA set up. If you want to go jam, let's go jam for like an hour. He goes, yeah, okay, sure, let's go jam. So he came over to my place. We jammed for about, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And he said, he goes, hey, man, he goes, I got to take off. But he goes, I'm playing a gig this weekend with this new female duo that just got signed to Giant Records and we're doing a showcase downtown Nashville. Saturday night, would you like to go? And I said, I would absolutely like to go. Well, so we went, they played the gig. I hung out afterwards. It was almost 1 a.m. in the morning. He comes out and I said, Butch, that was a great set. He goes, oh, thanks, man. He goes, but they're not really happy with their drummer. Oh, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, but they're holding auditions on Tuesday and they've already got seven drummers picked out. I said, Butch, I said, if there's any way I could squeeze and get onto that list, that would be amazing. He goes, look, Here's the name and number of their manager. And he goes, give him a call tomorrow and see if he can fit you in. I said, dude, thank you so much. I said, thanks again for the tickets, the invite. This has been a great night. Fast forward the next morning, I call this guy by the name of Steve Getzman. And I said, hey, Steve, you don't know me, but my name is Joel Stevenette. And we have a mutual friend by the name of Butch Dillon. He goes, oh yeah, Butch. He goes, yeah, I was there last night at the show. And I said, I was there too. And I said, it was amazing. I said, Butch also shared with me that you guys might be looking for a new drummer. And he told me that you guys were already auditioning some people. But I said, I just wanted to call and say, hey, if anybody falls out or if you'd like to add one more guy to the list, I said, I would love an opportunity to come in and play a song. I said, heck, even if I could just play a verse and half a chorus, that would be great. And he goes, oh, yeah, thanks, Joel. I'll keep that in mind. And he goes, thanks for calling. That was it. Two, three hours later, I get a phone call. And I'm like, hello. He goes, hey, Joel, it's Steve Getzman. I'm like, oh, hey, Steve. And he goes, hey, he goes, I talked to the girls and they would like to hear you come in and play one song on their lunch break. They won't be singing, but you can play with the band one song. I said, great. He goes, pick up the album down at the management office and see you Tuesday. And I said, oh, heck, I'm going to go to Tower Records. This is when Tower Records was around. I said, I'm going to go down and get the album. So I went down that day. I got the album. I learned every song on that album. I wanted this gig like I wanted air. So I learned every freaking song on that album. Tuesday comes along. I go in there. I've got a snare drum. I've got my bass drum pedal. They've got a kit set up. I go up, introduce myself to the band, get set up. And the bass player goes, all right, Joel, anytime you're ready, count us off. And dude, I was so freaking nervous. I thought my right foot could be doing 30 second notes on a single bass drum pedal. I was so nervous, but I was just smiling. And I just said, okay, one, two, three, crack, bunk, 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 playing it. And intro, verse, we get halfway through the chorus, and I see this, this shadow, this figure coming forward towards the stage. And I just see this motion with the hand coming across the neck, like stop, cut, and the band stops. And he goes, thank you, Joel. We've heard what we need to hear. I'm like, oh, 
I said, well, I was kind of kidding about that half chorus thing, but I said, hey, thank you so much for having me. And he goes, yeah, pack up your stuff and just meet me outside. And so I packed up my stuff and said thank you to the band and went outside. And he goes, hey, just wait for me. Give me like five, 10 minutes. And I waited and he came out and he goes, do you want the gig? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay, it's yours. Swing by management office tomorrow and, and they'll give you all the information. But I said, yeah, and this is what I should have shut up. But don't you have like four other drummers you've got to audition? And he goes, don't worry about that. The girls like you, they want you, you're the guy. And that all came about because of the three foot rule and being in Nashville and not knowing anybody. And I went and talked to Butch and the whole thing changed. And from that point forward, I started playing with several different country artists and had an amazing, an amazing touring experience with each one of them. And one of the the last artists I played with when I was living in Nashville was Jody Messina. I was with her for several years and she was amazing. And we played some amazing venues and tours. And I remember the Rascal Flats were out with us. And then we would do several months with George Strait opening for him. And, and just the list went on and on. In the world of country music, you're doing all these festivals and talk about being able to like dial in your sound, your feel, your instrument, your tuning, knowing what microphones do what, and just a magical time. And I remember in between tours, if I had three or four days off, I'd fly back to Salt Lake and record drums on video game soundtracks with my buddy Chuck Myers and Tom Hopkins and Lance Lenhart. And we were doing all the beginning games for PlayStation, and then it went into Xbox, and then it went into PlayStation 2, and then the PSP, the handheld, and then to the Nintendo Wii. And and my gosh, after years, I think I did that for close to 10 years. And then that's what brought me back after living in Nashville for all those times. That's what brought me back to Utah was just session work, because there was so much recording going on here with video games, library music, sports themes. Like I was doing drums on all the NBA stuff for years and years. I believe they still use it. And then World Cup soccer and tons of commercials. And oh my gosh. So, you know, I'd set up camp for a week or two at a studio and just play 10, 15 songs a day, every day for weeks. So that really allowed me to just really get my studio chops together. So with that, my career has just been really more as a journeyman and being a chameleon from playing from soft rock to pop to funk to Dixieland to polka to swing to jazz to new age to country to rock country to, I mean, everything from Air Supply to Jody Messina to Kenny Loggins to Belinda Carlisle, not trying to name drop. I'm just sharing the diversity and Eddie Money and, and Colin Ray from Nashville and Ty Herndon and just tons of things. And so you get to a point where it's like, oh, let's get Joel. Oh, Joel played on this. Let's get him. Whether the gig's this big, hey man, if the music's great, the hang is great, it's always a good gig. I've made my career up being a session guy, a touring guy with various artists, and also doing a lot of corporate events for different companies and corporations throughout the world. So it's been incredibly diverse, but incredibly rewarding because of just the adventures and the journey and the travel and the hundreds and hundreds of different musicians that I've been able to play with. And like we were talking before, it's like whether 
whether I'm playing in Dubai or Singapore or Korea or the Philippines or Canada or Hawaii or wherever it is, it's like music brings people together. And it's like, no matter where you go, normally have really good backline. You've got great audio engineers and you've got an audience and that audience, it's all, it's all about bringing people together, inspiring and lighting that spark that which hopefully turns into a flame of inspiration for the people that get to associate with and play for. So that's been my career in a nutshell. And then a year ago, I get a call from this guy by the gentleman by the name of Steve Stein. And next thing you know, we're doing these online collaboration videos, which has been so great, so fun, so rewarding. And again, it was another path of, again, not to sound cheesy, but of just joy and adventure and bringing people together because, dude, you're in your home state. I'm in Salt Lake. We've got Steve Grimmett in England. You've got Brian Hollenbeck. Where's he at? Minneapolis. And then you're also connecting and bringing other people in these videos. When we just did that, ZZ Top just got paid. You had uh, Shannon Kerfman. I've never met Shannon, but I hear she's amazing. She sounds amazing. She looks amazing. And I had people from Nashville calling me up and messaging me. It's like, oh my gosh, that Steve Stein video with Shannon Kerfman. She's incredible. I've been following her for you. I'm like, you have? And I'm like, I just met her. <laughs> so it's been amazing. Yeah. So thank you. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far and you're getting motivated to take your guitar playing to the next level. Please do me a favor and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It'll help the show grow and reach more rock stars like you who want to improve their guitar playing. Also, I'd love to know what parts of the episode you liked as well as what you learned. So please share this podcast and tag us at guitarzoom.com on your social post. And now, Let's get back to the podcast. What's funny about everything is, is just, you just said about your journey. Number one, for anybody that's listening, your professionalism is very, very important. And I don't just mean, I just certainly do mean your ability. The best players are, you need to take your craft seriously. You can't be a mediocre player and expect to, to get far distances. But the other thing that you need is you need the proper attitude. You've got to have a, a positive attitude and you know, I always tell people don't burn bridges. You know, it's important to make sure that you're be blessed with what you've got and the opportunities that you have and put yourself in the right spaces. Like you were saying, three feet, you need to find a way of putting yourself in the right spaces as often as possible. And I've gotten very good in the last few years simply because I was watching my life slip away with being far too busy for far too long because I never said no to anything. And I almost wound up divorced. My oldest daughter she was 13 years old before I really knew anything about her because I was always so busy. I would never say no to anything. Then I got the opportunity of what I'm doing now. And all of a sudden my life came to a screeching halt and I was able to now dictate what I did want to do and what I didn't want to do. And I realized very quickly that I needed to make a disconnect from money and from my constant need to try and keep moving upward in the world. Because the truth is, is that it still continues to happen if you've got the professionalism, the reliability, and the right attitude. What you're talking about with your life, once you've developed a system in or developed a name within that system, people continue to call you and continue to want to work with Joel because he's reliable. He's got a great attitude. He's a professional. So for me, what I've really enjoyed is the availability of being able to say no. Like it took me a long time to learn how to say no to things. 
but I got very good at being able to say no. That doesn't mean I don't still like to do things, but I have really learned to enjoy my family time where it took me two years to even learn who my family was. I always tell people I actually learned that I, I liked my family because I didn't know them. I was married to my wife for many years. And when I started doing what I'm doing now, which is this whole online thing, we had to get to know each other again. I was never home. The other thing I want to mention too that you're hearing from Joel is the confidence. It's not ego. It's confidence because of knowing who you are and being okay with who you aren't. Like that's one thing I was trying to tell people is I don't try and come across as some professional classical guitar player because I'm not. And if somebody wanted to learn how to play guitar, I've got some wonderful names of players that you should go to. And it isn't me because I know who I am and I'm okay with who I am. And I think those things are the things that help you along your journey. I remember playing in Fargo, which is where I grew up, and I had an opportunity. I'd heard about a band in Minneapolis that was looking for a guitar player. And of course, there's a slew of guitar players in Minneapolis. And I was like, I'm going to drive down there and try out for this band. And that's where I first met Brian, as a matter of fact. So I walk in and Brian will tell you, I was more prepared than anybody else that was already in the band for the rehearsal. So... And I got the gig. But the best part about it really wasn't getting the gig. It's the friendships that I've developed since then with these people because we're no longer a band anymore, but I still talk to everybody in that band. If not weekly, every couple of weeks, we still keep in touch. And they don't necessarily keep in touch with each other, but I keep in touch with them. And those are valuable friendships. If they lead to other things like what you and I and Brian are doing and, and different things like that, I have stories about Steve, same thing, but just all these people, it's just amazing how the world is so big, but yet it's so small. I love the three foot rule. I have never thought of it that way, but that is a wonderful way of thinking of it, putting yourself out there and being confident with yourself. And I still believe that there's good people left in the world. Like being a Midwesterner from being Canada, we are hard workers and we are positive people. So making my way through the music business, I've found so many wonderful friendships where you're like, wow, it's a dog eat dog world. I'm sure it is for somebody out there. My relationships are not like that. I completely agree with you. It is a dog eat dog world, but it's like the people that I associate with are people that are confident, which I love the confidence. And we could do a whole podcast on just confidence. And again, confidence is not ego. Confidence is just the ability inside your own soul to know that like, hey man, I got this. I can do this. I can make this happen. But it's like some of the greatest musicians in the world, it's not a dog eat dog thing. It's all about relationships. And it almost seems like that's the most important thing. Like the NAM show, we go there because the hang is so great. The weather is usually pretty amazing, but the hang is so great. And just like seeing that person and, and just reconnecting and dude, life again, the longer I live, the more gratitude I have. And the care that I take, the relationships and the people that I truly love in my life and the musicians that I love. And, and I tell you, man, it's like what we were saying moments ago, when you're on stage and you've got a great group of people where there's just that care is there, that confidence is there, that gratitude is there, all of a sudden the music just comes out and it just flows out. And that's why we love to do what we do. Right. Well, and that's why I talk to people all the time about living in a social media world, not so much maybe us because we already do what we do, but people that are learning how to play guitar, for instance, and they're constantly inundated with suck because I can't play as well as this person and 
I can't learn this thing. And that's the thing to understand is developing that confidence in yourself is really, really important because you can't keep comparing yourself to everybody else on the planet because nobody would ever get where they want to go. We'd all be downtrodden if all we ever did was look at X, Y, or Z, Eddie Van Halen or this person or this person, and you compare yourselves to them. Because the truth is, amazing as Eddie Van Halen is, and he is amazing. If I take B.B. King and I take Eddie Van Halen, and there can't be a comparison. There just can't be. But if you were going to compare them, Eddie Van Halen can't play like B.B. King any more than B.B. King can play like, Eric, like Eddie Van Halen. And that's where people get caught up is they're like, well, I need to be Eddie Van Halen and B.B. King and Robin Ford and XYZ. And it's like, no, 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 you need to figure out how to be you. You can grasp ideas from these people, but you need to develop this thing that is you and be good with that. Be good with the fact that every day you wake up, you are not Eddie Van Halen, because if Eddie Van Halen woke up every day and wanted to be B.B. King, again, one is way faster. One knows way more about whatever flashy stuff, but still cannot sound like B.B. King. I'm sure B.B. King didn't wake up every day going, oh, I wish I could be Eddie Van Halen. We have to be okay in our own skin. I think that's one of the most important things is figuring out what you're trying to do and how to develop those things to the best of your ability. I'm sure you, like me, your learning never ends. You're always trying to work on the fringes. You're always trying to take some new idea and see if it'll fit into this thing that you've built for yourself. So sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you're not trying to completely morph yourself into somebody else. You've built this thing, man. You've been doing this for years and this is who you are. You don't want to collapse this thing trying to become something else. You just want to keep trying to reinforce and maybe color it up a little bit as you go. Absolutely love what you're saying about this because a lot of musicians on social media channels, it comes across as a bit of a, an Olympic sport how fast I can play, how fast I can do this and this and that and the chops and all that stuff. And I love your comparison to Eddie Van Halen to B.B. King because uh, a lot of times I'll talk to people and it's like, well, you could either, there's Virgil Donati, who's a monster player and playing double strokes on his feet at 220 beats a minute. And then you've got Steve Jordan, who's just one of the most respected, groove, beautiful. I mean, you look at Steve and you're like, wow, this guy is vibing so hard right now. And it's like the whole room just went. Yeah. And he's just eating a ham sandwich at that yeah, point. He's and he's over there just like, <laughs> peace. With his vibe, and I'll say with his coolness, because he's one of the coolest, with his vibe is just unbelievable truckload of confidence. And then when he sits down and just plays, with the 17 inch hi hats, some kind of a 13 inch snare or snare du jour or whatever, just laying it, laying it down. And you know what? He gets hired for some amazing, amazing gigs, amazing albums because of his heart, because of his soul, because of his feel, because of his groove and what he brings into the room just walking in. Right. Absolutely. One million percent. So I say, follow your heart because your mind will constantly make second guess everything that you do. Your mind is always playing tricks on you, but your heart will be like, man, come on, you got this. That's the truth right there. And your mind's be like, I don't know if you can do this because you should be fearful. And I don't know when that guy's doing that and that guy's doing that. What does your heart tell you? My heart tells me that I love to play drums and I got this. Then freaking go for it every day 
And whether it's a little granule of sand of a victory every day, every minute, every hour, every month, whatever it is, at some point you're going to have, you know, a backyard of a sand hill because you just stuck with it and trusted your heart. And it really needs to begin with that connection to the instrument. You've got to practice. You've got to become connected. It's not just about fundamentals. Like you were saying, it's not just about scales for me or how fast I can play or something. It's got to be an authentic connection on whatever level that means for you. I always use my oldest daughter as an analogy because she only knows a few chords. She's got a beautiful voice and that's all she needs to know on guitar. Like she doesn't wake up every day going, well, I want to be Eddie Van Halen. Like she doesn't even, that isn't even anything that would ever be in her radar. But that doesn't make her less of a musician. Would that make her less of a guitar stylist? Well, maybe, but that's not what the instrument's for for her. The instrument is for something completely different. It's to, to support what she's doing with her voice. I don't have that capability. My voice akin to a very sick horse sounds like when I sing. I love that you use the word akin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. To a very unstable and sickly stallion. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's great. That's the thing too, is, is with that comparison thing is it, it all depends. I mean, not everybody wants to grow up and try and be the fastest guitar player. Sometimes we use those as simple tools to get us to the next level. And I don't want to keep going off on this, but no, but people, tools and inspiration. Yeah, that's right. Each person out there needs to find that and develop those because listen, we all have a finite amount of time on this planet. You need to figure out how to use this to enjoy the journey. Otherwise, all you're doing is just making things worse for yourself and you're just wasting time where you could get to a place where you feel good about yourself. You feel good about your environment. You feel good about the people you're around and you can revel in that. You can enjoy what this thing is because really that's what it's about. It, once you start realizing it isn't about all the other stuff, the other stuff happens because of your attitude and because of your dedication. That's the blessing that comes from that. But you've got to become okay with what that is as opposed to, I want to be famous or I want to be rich or I want to be whatever. And I think that just comes with age. I mean, it's not like I was, and I certainly will not say I'm wise. I always tell people when you're in your 20s, you know nothing. When you're in 30s, you realize you know nothing. And when you get in your 40s and 50s, you start trying to figure out how to get to a place where you're comfortable and with at least knowing something. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love what you're saying. And I think about choosing your love and loving your choice. The things that we're drawn to are obviously things that we are passionate about, that we love. And those are the things that you want to follow. And it's like, whether I'm listening to Alan Holdsworth, or if I'm listening to John Mayer, or if I'm listening to Steve Stein or whatever, all of it is inspiring to me. And does that make me want to be a guitar player? It makes me want to play great music with great people. That's how I feel about it. And it just puts me, good music puts me in a good headspace or a good heart space where it's like, man, I got this. I can do this. And if there's a time where I question myself or like I feel like, oh man, I wish I could get this feel done or whatever, it's okay to take a break and allow yourself some space. I mean, like it's okay. And then come back and just revisit, retool, rethink, refeel. That's the beautiful thing about life is that we do have the time if we allow ourselves the time and the attitude to care and to listen, as we were talking about moments ago. Very nice, man. Okay, this is completely off topic, but we're going to end with this. <laughs> if you, and you can choose here, and just go with what's in your mind right now, like don't think too hard. 
What are your top five albums or artists? I know, but just go with like, don't, don't overthink it. Just top five albums or top five artists. Top five albums. I'm just bleh. Yes. Okay. Boss Gags and Band, the number four album. Okay. Earth, Wind & Fire, Gratitude album. Oh Alan goodness. Holdsworth, Metal Fatigue album. Rush, Permanent Waves album. Billy Cobham, Toss Up Between Warning and Power Play. But both of those albums are amazing. I want to put in Gino Vanelli, Brother to Brother, because that's just amazing. You could do a bonus number six, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to like a lot of Gino Vanelli lately, and, and especially like the revamp stuff that he did. This is really, really great. Let me just hang on Spotify. It's Gino Vanelli. The album is called The Best and Beyond, where he took songs like I Just Want to Stop, Living Inside Myself, Brother to Brother, and redid them with a current band that he's playing with. And it is even that much better. I mean, nothing but love and respect to the original recordings. But the Best and Beyond album is just, oh my gosh. Wow, that's <laughs> so awesome. Great. So anyway. Good. Well, I got the afternoon off, so I'm going to check that as I am. I'm going to check that album out. That's what I'm going to do this afternoon. It's a great album. Cool. Well, thank you so much for hanging out. Like I said, I the podcast is merely an excuse for you and I to hang out and chat because we've been working together for so long and we haven't really had a chance to just sit and talk. So we've talked on the phone and different things, but not like this. Not like this. This has been amazing. And dude, I look forward to our next video collaboration, which I think might be coming out pretty soon here. <laughs> I'm excited. We have like, I don't know, we got a couple other ones in the pipeline too, but we do. You and I also need to have a chat about the original music thing too. Steve Stein, that is going to be freaking amazing. <laughs> it is going to oh, be awesome. My gosh. <laughs> All right, goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Well, dude, I know. thank you so much for having me. This has been truly a beautiful morning and such a joy just hanging out with you and chat. I look forward to the future. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. As usual, I, I enjoy talking to you anytime I get a chance to. We text each other. If not every day, it's every couple of days. But Yeah, totally. We need to do a Zoom call with Garrison. Now, that would be a party. That would be fun. Yes. As a matter of fact, we need to do that. Yeah, we'll do movie quotes from Better Off Dead and Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> That's <laughs> He's awesome. He's so awesome. I love that guy. I know. All right. Well, take care, my friend. You have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds great. Thank you, Steve. All right, buddy. Have a take good care. weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button.